who has given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. The good news today is, is that Jesus has come to heal us completely. Body, soul, mind, heart. The complete restoration of our human nature. And we look forward to that in the age to come. Today, we have Christ healing by his very word, ten lepers, but only one returns to give thanks. These lepers probably have skin diseases that are not exactly what we might call leprosy, but they were diseases that caused them to be considered ritually impure or unclean. They weren't able to worship together with the other Israelites, and so they were off to the side. They were outsiders. In fact, according to Numbers and Leviticus, there were certain ways that they were segregated, and so they were people who had suffered the loss of their health, the loss of their identity, and also the loss of their community, because they were on the outskirts of their society and were not considered people that you could be around. And in fact, if you approached them, they were supposed to stay, say these words, unclean, unclean, to alert those who were coming that they were present and that you couldn't be involved in them lest you also get this disease. So there were 10 of these lepers that Jesus comes upon. Now it's interesting to note who was in this group of 10. There were nine Israelites and one Samaritan. Usually, they don't mix together because for hundreds of years they've been at enmity with one another for various reasons. We won't go into that. Although Jesus does use Samaritans in his stories and illustrations, uh, the good Samaritan is the one who proved to be the neighbor, right? The woman of Samaria is at the well in John's gospel, and now... Look who the person who gives thanks is, a Samaritan. Fascinating. William Barclay makes the point that the common misfortune of the ten had broken down the racial and national barriers. In the common tragedy of their leprosy, they had forgotten they were Jews and Samaritans and remembered only that they were simply men in great need. And that's what they call out for. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And in this call for mercy, there is no doubt, of course, wanting to be healed. But to be healed would also to be restored to community. Restored to the identity that they have and the position that they have as worshiping full members of the Uh, children of Israel. And so that's a part of it. Jesus tells them what they need to do, and all of them actually obey. The word of Jesus heals them as they make their way to the priest. 
Jesus commanded that they go see the priest because it was, according to the law of Moses, the priest's job to inspect people to see that they were healed and no longer had these skin diseases. And then, therefore, there would be a small sacrifice and then they would be restored to the worshiping community. And that's how it worked. And so they realized that they were healed on their way because the word of Jesus the very word of God made flesh, who has come to heal us, healed them on their way. The thankless nine do not realize that God's kingdom has arrived in the person of Jesus. Only the Samaritan returns and comes to Jesus, who we know to be the very word of God, the king, the healer, of all creation, that creation that was made through him. This Samaritan simply knows that Jesus is the source of his own healing, and therefore he's coming back to give thanks to him because he knows he can't go to Jerusalem because none of those priests would uh, inspect him, and he may not even make it there because he was such an outsider being a Samaritan. So he returns to Jesus, who is the true priest and the true shepherd of our souls. Well, we are people who know a little bit about healing and about the ministry of the church. Today, whether we knew it or not, we already had a healing prayer. It's in the Collect for Purity. We pray for cleansing and healing at the very beginning of the service. We say to Almighty God who knows everything, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. We are people who need cleansing and healing, maybe not like the lepers, but if we're truly in touch with ourselves, this is a prayer that we can all Pray, and we should all pray. In his book, The Mission and Expansion of Christianity, the First Three Centuries, a theologian and historian named uh, Adolf Harnack wrote this Christianity never lost hold of its innate principle. It was and remained a religion for the sick. Accordingly, it assumed that no one, or at least hardly anyone, was in normal health but that men were always in a state of disability. We have to admit that we're ill in some way in order to be healed. And sin, we often think of sin as uh, the transgression of a law, but sin is ever much and even more so probably a sense of a disease of the soul of the heart, of the mind, a a disease of the will to do the good. And so when I say that Christ, the healer, has come to heal us through his incarnation, his death and resurrection, I mean it in the most realistic way possibly. Because that's what he has come to do to totally transform and heal us from top to bottom, inside and out. And so Christ is the great physician. 
His body, the church, is a healing institution, and part of the healing is the ministry of the church with its worship. We are community of thanksgiving. That's what Eucharist actually means. It means thanksgiving. And so we who have been healed and are being healed gather together to give thanks to Almighty God. That's our vocation as the church. We pray for one another. We actually receive what is called by St. Ignatius of Antioch in the second century, the medicine of immortality. That's what Holy Communion is called that early in the church because by receiving the very presence of Christ the healer, we are slowly healed from the inside out. And when we receive communion, we should, in our mind and heart, be saying something to the effect, purify me, cleanse me, heal me, because that's why we're receiving Christ himself for the healing of our souls and our bodies. So we know that the ultimate healing that we're speaking of doesn't come until we pass through this life in death and into the life of the age to come and the resurrection. But if all this is true, and I believe it is true with all my heart, we should be people just like that Samaritan leopard who was healed. We should be people of thanksgiving. And it brings to mind that uh, wonderful, wonderful hymn that uh, I didn't know, Rick, that it was actually placed where it was in today's service, but that wonderful hymn that we just sang, Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring, ransom healed, restored, forgiven, evermore. His praises sing, Alleluia, Alleluia, praise the everlasting King. That's one of my favorite Anglican hymns, especially for the healed and restored, forgiven part. Well, Christ our Lord comes to heal us completely by his very word. Only one in ten turn to praise and thank God and his healer, Jesus. It reminds me of a poem by an Irish poet named Catherine Tienan. The poem is, in fact, titled The Leper. Unclean, unclean, but thou canst make me clean. Yet if thou cleanest me, Lord, see that I be like that one grateful leper of the ten who ran back praising thee. But if I must forget, take back thy word. I Be I unclean again and not ingrate. Before I shall forget thee, keep me, Lord, a sick man at the gate. What she's getting at is that she would rather be ill than be ungrateful. It's an amazing poem. She would rather be ill than be ungrateful to the Lord. This thanksgiving aspect of our healing, of our salvation, of our promise of being made whole in the life of the age to come flows all the way through the apostolic message of the New Testament. Paul would say these words, which you probably know, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God 
in Jesus Christ for you. And we normally stop right there. Does anybody recognize that, uh, that it's, uh, it's uh, one of those popular passages? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God according to you, for, uh, for you to have. The next sentence, though, is do not quench the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Interesting. Thanksgiving and the Spirit of God always go together. People who have the Spirit of God, who are being filled by the Spirit of God, who have the Spirit of God flowing through them, are thankful and grateful people. That's just how it works. So the question I have to ask myself, the question I ask for you, am I a thankful and grateful person? Are you a thankful and grateful person? Now, I have to admit that because of my upbringing... Uh, and a whole psychological profile, uh, I tend to focus on the 10% or the 5% that's not right because I'm trying to get those things tidied up. But sometimes I can miss the 90% or the 95% that is right. Does anybody have this same sort of illness that I have? Yes. It's called seeing the glass half full, isn't it? So what I have to do, I have to focus on being thankful. Because at the end of a Sunday, sometimes I'm still thinking about the things that need to be improved or the things that sort of went off course and we can work on that. But actually forget to give thanks to God for the wonderful four worship services that we have here every single Sunday. Sometimes it's 8 or 9 o'clock and I'm like, oh. I I forgot to give you thanks for the whole thing because that's just how I work. So we have to focus and we have to ask God's Spirit to help us be grateful and thankful Christians who are in the process of being healed. It's so easy for us to say, you know, they get to take three vacations and I only get to take one. Now, if we're saying that, we have a lot to be thankful for already, don't we? And if we would just pause and focus and begin to take an inventory, some people call that a gratitude list, we will quickly find out that we have so much to be thankful for. We can stand and we can walk and our hands work and our eyes work and our minds work and we have a place to lay our head and we have to actually watch the food that we eat because we have so much food. It goes on and on and on. But somehow we can get focused on that 5% or that 10%. So let us regain our balance and our focus on the wonderful blessings that God has given us. Recently, a friend of mine sent me a video of his wife with a scarf on her head who was ringing the bell at MD Anderson because it was her last chemo treatment. And of course, her experience of cancer totally made her reevaluate her entire life. Her younger family that was with her and her husband. And so in this video, she was giving thanks 
for all the people in her life. It was truly an emotional experience for her and for those there, but even me watching the video, it was an emotional experience because you knew from the depths of her heart she was giving thanks to her husband and to her children and to her good friends that had been through this journey of cancer with her and to her new best friends, the doctors and the nurses that had cared for her and were a part of God's healing of her. And it it was extraordinary. But the truth is, my friends, the truth is, Jesus, our healer, is going to be ringing the bell for each one of us as we are totally and completely healed in the life of the age to come. And even now, even now, we can hear a faint echo of that ringing bell because Christ and his spirit is slowly transforming us to heal us, to to prepare us in heart and soul and mind. And then finally, thanks be to God in this body that we would live with God, healed and restored forever with him. William Law wrote an impactful book, especially in his time, called A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. I know you have it in your libraries. I know you're reading it right now. Uh, But it was a book that really impressed John and Charles Wesley in their day and actually was the book that inspired them uh, in their approach to uh, Methodism, the holiness of life. Anyway, uh, William Law Law died in 1761, but in this book, he asked this question. Would you know who is the greatest saint in the world? It is not he who prays most or fasts most. It is not he who gives most alms or is most eminent for temperance, chastity, or justice. But it is he who is always thankful to God, who wills everything that God willeth, who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness, and has a heart always ready to praise God for it. Isn't that beautiful? That's a saint for William Law, those who will give thanks and praise to God, who will what God wills, who is always thankful for the goodness that God gives us. Well, maybe the prayer that we began with today from George Herbert can not only become my prayer, but can become your prayer as he teaches us to pray, O God, who has given us so much to me, give one more thing, a grateful heart. Amen.